Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the incredible peace that comes when we walk the harder way. Ooh, I like peace. I like peace, too. I think we all, probably in this world that we're living right now, need peace more than ever. I have to tell you, the older the older you get, the more peace becomes a commodity. It's a, something of tremendous value mm. that you crave. That's why when the kids say, "What do you want for What do you want for Christmas, Mom and Dad?" and Mom and Dad say, "We just want to have a day of peace." They really mean that. They really mean that. That's not just a trite saying. Yeah. So we're talking about this peace that can only come when we are walking the harder way. So what does that mean? Well, I want to remind our listeners that we have the easy way. We have the hard way and we have the harder way. So the easy way is when we're depending pretty much just on ourselves. Right. We're just relying on our own selves. Doing things the way the world does it. Yes. And using operating the world's our means. own flesh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the hard way is when we're trying to look to God, we're trying to depend on him, do things his way, but we're still doing a lot of things our way. We're still depending on ourselves and we're still trying to seek at least some type of control. Mm. But the harder way is when we're depending solely on God. And that's and we know when we've found the harder way because that's when the only way we can answer the question how is with the seven words of faith. I do not know, but God knows. Mm-hmm. That's the only that's the that's the, the telltale sign for us. If you ask how and that's mm-hmm. the answer is the seven words of faith, you know that you have chosen and are continuing to choose the harder way. And I think just for a moment to slide over into current events, um, there are a lot of crazy things happening in the world right now. And we've just seen in this last week some horrific violence against Christian children. And then we see the whole world trying to redefine it. And we see everybody running to their traditional political corners to try mm-hmm. to, oh, we got a crisis. Let's take advantage of it. And let's, yep. Don't get caught up in that. Okay? We want to stay out of this political world because what the political world is, what this uh, this 24-7 news cycle, this all of this insanity going on, uh, everybody taking sides, this 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 bipolar world or the binary world that we're living in, um, it is human beings trying to do things the way of the world. Which is the easy way. Which is the easy way. Christians, you cannot do things the easy way. We've got to choose the harder way. We have to go the way of faith. If you are heartbroken by what happened, and if you have a soul, you should should be. be. You should be heartbroken for every person involved, for the shooter, for the victims, for the families of the victims, for for the people who had the first responders who had to respond to that, for the people who saw it on the news, for the people who... Every single person person involved is hurt. They don't need you to handle things the way the world does. The world has plenty of representatives. They need you to choose the harder way, and they need you in this moment. They need us in this moment to get on our knees and to move heaven 
and earth through our prayer, through our trust in God, through our through believing in him to deliver us through this. Evangelize more. Share your faith in every possible way you can think of. Press into the scripture, press into prayer, press into the word, draw closer to Jesus. That's the harder way because it doesn't draw a direct line for us to how to fix all these things, but it tells us, but what it does say is, I don't know how this is going to work out, but God knows. Mm -hmm. And so I'm choosing to be with him. And I think that, I said this earlier, but now more than ever, we need God's peace, Mm. but other people around us, those who are not saved, right? They need to see that peace in us because in the times that we're currently living and the things that we're going through right now, there's no earthly logical reason to have peace. In fact, there's many earthly reasons to have the exact opposite, Mm. to be afraid, to be angry, to be scared, all of these things. But if people can see that despite the absolute insanity of our world, despite the horrors that we're seeing in our world, if they can see that we still have peace, that is going to be so unbelievably attractive to people because every single person wants peace. Even the most chaotic person you've ever met, deep down, they want peace. We all want peace. We all need peace. And when we see someone that has that, we're prone to ask, what's different about them? How did they get this, and how can I get it too? Yeah, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, if we get caught up in the way the world is responding to the insanity around us, we will not have the peace that passes all understanding. Our hearts and our minds will not be guarded. They will be an open territory for the enemy just to come in and have his way with us. We really need to practice the scriptures right now in America more than ever. Absolutely. And I think that when we're looking at how we can have peace and we're looking at the fact that this easy way and even the hard way are not ways that produce peace, it's only the harder way. It's because if we think about it, if we just step back, how much peace can you have when you feel responsible for everything and everyone? Oh, none. None. Having when you feel responsible for the outcomes of every situation and every relationship, There's no peace because you are carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry. Thinking you're responsible for every situation is very childish. Mm, and I I that's actually interesting. Right, I can prove it because if you think about it, whenever and parents, uh, please listen to what I'm saying right now because I've made this mistake with my own children. Um, You think you've explained things to them, but the truth is that a child is a little narcissist in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And and they grow out of that, but they start off that way, and they think that the whole world revolves around them. And so when something terrible happens, in their little minds, they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, how did I cause this, or how am I responsible for this? And they will draw conclusions that make themselves the cause, 
and it will haunt them the rest of their lives. Feeling like something's their fault. Yes, something was their fault. And you know, you might think, how could this child think that the divorce of their parents was their fault? Believe me, they'll figure a way to think when that. It's the stereotype, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's like little kids saying, oh, my mom and dad got divorced because of me. I should have been better. Right, is because I wasn't mm-hmm. behaved correctly or, or whatever. Yeah. But that burden is something that we don't want to carry. Mm-hmm. It's something that we're not meant to carry. And Jesus tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, mm-hmm. which means, uh, you know, by process of elimination, that this easy way, uh, that we what we call the easy way that's not so easy, that's not Jesus's way. Because that's a way that puts us in bondage and puts us in an incredible burden of difficulty. Right, because when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, he's talking about what it means to be his disciple. Mm -hmm. And so what he's saying is, I'm not going to unnecessarily burden you with things Mm -hmm. that are irrelevant, right? I'm not going to just go out of my way to make things hard for you. Uh, But that's not in contradiction to the harder way, because the harder way is learning to take Jesus' yoke upon yourself, a yoke which is easy and light, but the harder way is the way that gets you there. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's the way of faith and trust. Well, I think that's the interesting part is that we're using easy in two different ways right. and we're using hard in two different ways, but it's because it's that shift. Because what does the world think is the hardest thing? Something like persecution, hmm. right? There's you know something like suffering. These are the hardest things. They're these horrible things. We've talked about on this podcast that there can be incredible spiritual growth, incredible intimacy with Christ that comes out of the most difficult of situations. What do we think when we hear the word easy? We think of being able to just handle everything ourselves and just oh yeah, we got it, we got it dealt with. But Jesus says that. That what's easy, if we're looking from a biblical perspective, that what's the easy thing that the world says is to just handle it ourselves. But when Jesus says it's easy, he means because we're not the ones who are in charge of it and we're letting him handle what he's already been in charge of. So we're talking about something we've discussed before and we'll discuss a lot in the future, which is one kingdom living. Yes. One kingdom living at its essence is the is the concept that we are stewards and we are not owners. So God is the owner of everything and that we are given the high privilege of being the master stewards of what he owns. And so we think of when I say own, we think of material possessions. Right, that's where our minds automatically jump to. But we need to keep in mind that what we mean by the master owns everything is that he owns every relationship he owns every moment. He owns every pod, every every podcast. <laughs> he owns every podcast. That's true. <laughs> he owns he owns every interaction that mm-hmm. we have with other people, even like a momentary interaction with someone at the grocery store. God is sovereign over that. Yeah. And even those people. Listen, there are people in your life that are difficult. Yes. And God is sovereign over those relationships as well. And our job is not to own those. Our job is to understand how God wants us to steward those. That's an excellent point. I think that it's important that when we're talking about this peace, that we really understand that peace does not mean 
the absence of stressors. It doesn't mean that we won't go through trials and tribulations. I mean, as a matter of fact, it's typically the opposite because we know that uh, scripturally as Christians, we're promised that all who seek to live a godly life and what is choosing the harder way, if not seeking to live a godly life, will be persecuted. May be persecuted. Will be. Can be. Will be. Is a possibility. Will be. Sometimes it might happen. W-I-L-L. Okay. <laughs> will, will, will be. be. We're, so we're promised, and obviously we don't know to what degree that will look like or depending upon our situation, but we know that we're promised persecution if we're seeking to live a godly life. One thing I think is interesting, in John 16, uh, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That makes me feel very cheerful. Makes me feel, feel cheerful. But let's talk a little bit about what the context of that is. So that's John 16, and John 15 and 16 are more like one thing. Mm-hmm. We just we decided to split them up for some reason. Uh, we've talked about that a couple times on the podcast. But in John 15, that's the chapter where Jesus is telling us to abide in Him. He, I am the vine, you the, the branches. Yeah, exactly. Abide in me. You can do much. Apart from mm-hmm. me, you can do nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's, yes. Very important stuff. So right. abiding in Christ. Then he warns his disciples about coming persecution. Right. He tells them there's going to be a time when people are going to kill you and think that they're doing good, that mm-hmm. they're that they're doing something for God by killing you. Right. Right. The, he reminded his disciples of who he was, reminding them that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior, told them that he was going to be gone soon. Right. Uh, and then told them that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And so I think that that's very important that even this verse that's so famous that we talk about, you know, Jesus wants to give us peace and he's overcome the world and we can have peace. He's saying that after he's just told them, you're going to deal with a lot of persecution. It's going to be difficult for you. But it's also after he's told them that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. The comforter. The comforter, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about this peace, right? Um, it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is really in many ways that peace that Jesus was talking about. So he's a minister of peace. He's a messenger of peace. Yeah. And that's why we have like the dove is symbolic, symbolic of peace, of the Holy right? Spirit because and, stuff, and symbolic of peace, right? In John 14, 27. Now this gets get, get a little bit wonky as far as like theology, but it's kind of cool. So I hope you uh, uh, really, really k- pick up what we're putting down here. <laughs> but this is cool. Jesus says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, in this moment, the disciples are, they're afraid, they're worried. You know, Jesus is is having kind of this last meal with them. He's letting them know some rough stuff's coming. And they're they're a little bit frightened. They're scared, yeah. What's going to happen? And he's like, my solution to you is you just need more of me, right? And and we get more of him by abiding in him. We find that out in chapter 15. But let's take a look at this. Peace I live to you. I believe the word in Greek is irene. I'm probably pronouncing it that wrong. But that's a, uh, that word in Greek has, the, has a, a sense to it that is... Uh, um, um, very similar to how we understand it in the Western world. 
right? Yeah. There's peace. Um, but let's take a look. Jesus spoke Aramaic. Right, and we know the Hebrew word. Everybody listening probably knows the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. But let's look at Aramaic. The word is similar. It's shaloma. It's it, the letters are shin, lamid, mem, aleph, and uh, shaloma is the, the the Aramaic word for peace, and it has a nearly identical meaning to as it does in Hebrew. Uh, Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about what that picture of peace looks like? Well, here's what's interesting. So first, yes, going into it with the understanding of shalom peace, not tranquility peace, right? Because a shalom peace is a wholeness, a contentedness, a true uh, unchanging peace that is not dependent upon outward situations. Mm. So let's think about that. Think about that first. But the interesting part actually comes when we look at the Aramaic words that were used uh, when Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So when Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, the word for leave is the Aramaic word shavak, which actually means to forsake, to separate, or to impart. Right. So the idea there with Shavak is that it's something of his that he is leaving or imparting to his disciples. Okay, so, so let me, his peace. Right. So let me get this. Let me let me get this straight. So that Jesus is not saying I'm going to create this world of peace around you, mm-hmm. or and he and he's not implying I'm going to prosper you and make you live the you know a life of luxury. Right. Definitely he's saying not. he's saying, "Hey, you know that peace that I demonstrated when I was attacked and when I was maligned, when I was under great pressure, um that peace that I demonstrated and I'm about to demonstrate and I'm demonstrating to you right now before I go to the cross and I'm about to demonstrate to you in, in during my passion and all of that." He's saying that thing. I'm going to give that to you. Mhm. But he, then he says, now explain this. He says, but I'm not going to give it to you the way the world gives it to you. Mm-hmm. I'm give it to you in the style of the Jesus. <laughs> so the way, the, the way that uh, he's talking about the way of the world, the way the world gives, it's actually a different word. It's not the, the word shavak. It's the Aramaic word yahav, which just typically means give. But it has this idea that there's it's something that you've earned. Uh-huh. So it's like the example of a paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. Where if you gave me my paycheck, but I worked for it, I deserve it, I earned it. And so it's interesting because he's saying, you know, I am going to Shavak give my peace to you and I'm going to leave it there with you, impart this part of myself. But it's not that I am Yahaving it to you which is meaning that it's something that you will have to earn, that you'll have to cultivate, that you'll have to create, because that's what we see um, oftentimes in the world religions. And then also, sadly, in Christianity as well, where people will say, you know, you just have to fight for your peace. Right. Yeah, And that's, that's, okay, okay. Fight for your peace. I have no problem with that statement. But you better know what it means and you better do it right. Because if you do it wrong, you're not going to get any peace. Fighting for your peace means abiding in Christ. 
Right. Was, if that's what you mean by fighting fighting for your peace, meaning that you're going to abide in Christ no matter what, no matter what's going on or what's happening, you're going to say no. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this out with Jesus. You know, come hell or high water, it's me and Jesus till you know till the end and after. Then that's fighting for your peace. That's amazing. Now you literally mean the place hell. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> because because believe believe me, as Christians, we're living with heaven on earth, but the enemy is trying to create for us hell on earth. Yes, and that goes back to the context of what we're saying right now, which is the world. Hell is trying to advance against the kingdom of heaven on earth, and the kingdom of heaven can stand its ground and advance against hell, but not if the people of the kingdom of heaven try to do it through worldly means. The we easy can't way. use the easy way. We can't use hell's way to accomplish heaven's means. We have to choose the harder way. We have to walk the way of faith. We have to we have to abide in Christ because the way the harder way is the way of abiding. Mm. Because you're tr- putting your trust in Jesus and that peace that passes all understanding that is given to us without us earning it is something that happens as a result of being in connection, in relation to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Have you ever been, have you ever, we, we years ago, uh, we did, I did an experiment in church. And I wanted to see if people would come to church if I paid them to come to church. Oh, yes, I remember, you remember this. That? Yeah, I do. And so we did an experiment and we gave people gifts. And the idea was that each week we would give like a gift bag, and it had it was significant. It was a nice sig- thing. It was a significant expense, um, and we had a small church, so we could do this. And what I found was that the same people missed church, regardless mm-hmm. of whether they got a gift, a nice gift, when they came to church or not. It made no difference. Right. Now, I did have a few come and say, oh, I miss church. Can I get my gift? And I was like, no. You're like, no. You missed out. It defeats the purpose of the okay. experiment, sir. Well, peace is like that. You can't You can't say, I'm not going to stay connected to Jesus. I'm not going to abide in Jesus. But give me my peace anyway. But give me my peace. You can't say, I'm going to do things the world's way instead of doing it the Lord's way, the harder way, the way of faith. Give me my peace anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to recognize that there is a time when money, even the fullness in your belly or the roof over your head, all become secondary to simply having a sense of peace, mm. right? And any person who's wealthy will tell you that money does not abate their stresses. It doesn't get rid of their pain or suffering. It doesn't make them happy. I mean, it might make being miserable a little nicer, <laughs> but it doesn't give them peace. Right. It, do- it doesn't give them peace. And I think that what you were talking about where that intimacy with Jesus becomes more important than even having food in your stomach or a roof over your head is something that we see very clearly with our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, where they may be very well sacrificing their ability to get food, sacrificing their ability to provide for themselves or their family in order to not compromise their faith and compromise their gospel activities, compromise their relationship with Jesus, because that is the most important thing to them. So let's get down to the nuts and bolts of this. Let's say that I'm living my life and I don't have a sense of peace 
Or I have some peace here and there, but it's not that abiding peace that, as Jesus describes it, is like beyond understanding. It, it shouldn't be there. And I've experienced this in a very difficult times, so we, I know it's real. Uh, and, but, and, of course, we know the person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. So Right. I, but I, we know for sh- we can say that we know it's real because the Bible tells us it's real. That's right. <laughs> most that's importantly. right. Most importantly. So how do I get that peace on the along the harder way, how does being on the harder way give me that peace? Can you give me a little nuts and bolts kind of breakdown of that and make it simple? Well, in the simplest of terms, when you are living the harder way, you are living in a constant dependency upon God. Okay. When you're living in that constant dependency upon God, the only way to go forward is to abide in Christ. To have a deep, meaningful, personal relationship with Jesus. That's what fuels the harder way and makes the harder way possible, is abiding in Christ. So it's not just the act of choosing to be in dependence upon God. It's really the state that you're in in your relationship with him that allows you to do that, that is what gives you that peace. So would you say I have to be good enough? No, it's not a it's not about being good enough. It's not about doing the right things, saying the right things, looking the right way. That's, that's religion. What, that's religion. That's what what religion tells us is just follow these rules, follow these steps and you'll be good. It's about your relationship with Jesus. And when I say that, I mean spending time with him through prayer, through worship, through his word. When you have a dynamic spiritual life. And we've talked about that. We had an entire episode about that. If you want to hear more, a few episodes back, when you have a dynamic spiritual life that is built around God's word, Mm. that is when you are going to have incredible peace that passes all understanding. Right. And, and I want to, you may not always have the, every sense of peace. Because sometimes right. when you're in God's word, you're going to become convicted. You're going to feel a sense. You know, the Holy Spirit's going to say, dude, you know, you're not really loving your neighbors. Mm. Uh, or you're not really loving God with all your heart, <laughs> just some of your heart. You're reserving yeah. some for other things, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are times when you might feel uncomfortable or you might describe that as not having peace. But in the general sense and in the way that, that a way where it even doesn't make sense, we will have this peace. And I think... Uh, maybe an area where we fall apart in our understanding of this is that we have emphasized that the Greek word irene for peace, and we haven't really noticed the correlation in Jesus' teachings between the blessed ours in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 5, yeah. right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the persecuted, persecuted right? And that word, that I, the Greek word behind that, and it's something, it's, it's close to markurios, it's something close to that, and I'm drawing a blank on it right now. It starts with an M. Um, that word is this this translated blessed. It means like happy or satisfied or fulfilled or whole. Yeah. It really is kind of closer almost in, in conceptual understanding to this shaloma word uh, from Aramaic. It has that same kind of a – it's not the same word. I don't want yeah. to say that. I'm not trying to be heretical. But it has that – Similar s- concept. That same kind of feeling of I'm going to feel – satisfied, contented, I'm going to feel okay, I'm going to feel whole, I'm going to feel um, a sense of 
of rightness, a sense, not correctness, but rightness, a sense of mm-hmm. intimacy with God. That despite your circumstances. Despite my circumstances. Because if you have peace with God, and I want to say this for anybody that's listening, because we, you know, we assume that all of you who are listening are Christian, but you know, maybe you just found our podcast and you just thought it would be interesting to listen, or maybe you're listening with one of your Christian friends or family members. But if you want to have peace with God, the only way for that to happen is for you to be born again. Mm -hmm. If you want to um, experience this peace that passes all understanding, that comes by being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to have peace. And for those of you that are Christians that are saying, I'm saved and I still, I don't feel that peace. Here's what I would say to you. Jesus has already given us that peace. It's a matter of whether or not you are acknowledging it and living in it. Because, I mean, I guess I kind of think of it like if somebody gives you a coat and you refuse to put it on and they're standing behind you with the coat, let me put this on you, let me put this on you. And you're just like, no, I don't want the coat. I don't want the coat. I need I need to go get this new jacket. I need to do this other thing. The coat's already there. I'm going to stay warm my own way, mm. the world's way. Yep. And the Lord's like, but I've already made a way. Mm-hmm. Trust me mm-hmm. that you slide your arms into this coat Yes. and you're going to be warm. That's the harder way. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say to you, and, and, I, and I think we should close on this, that and thank you for thinking of those who are unsaved in this moment because that is the first step to having true peace is salvation i would say this to you that accepting christ as your lord and savior and being born again is the first step on the harder way yes because how is it fair that one man takes all of the sin of the world upon himself and pays for my sin that sin that he never committed, I don't know, but the but Lord God. knows. How is it that all I have to do is believe, intellectually, emotionally, volitionally, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is who he said he is, that he paid the price for my sins, and that and that by believing in him, I am born again and have, will I have eternal okay. life. How is that reasonable? I don't know, but the but Lord knows. knows. And so, And that's why they call it faith. Because it takes faith for it takes faith for all of that to happen. Uh, we can spend I we can take the greatest minds in the world, and we can uh, um, we can argue and we can and we can debate and we can explain in great theological terms how all of this makes sense. But for most of us, it's just a matter of faith, faith. and faith is what keeps us on the harder way, and faith is what leads in Jesus is what leads us to a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. And we will leave you with that, and we will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, Remember the words of Christ. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.